Welcome in. It's ESPN 1000 on a Sunday morning. We have a World Series champion, Xander and Hanley. Brian, how'd that Phillies thing work out for you? Well, I was going to give you a big congrats. You uh, you had the Astros, rightly so. And um, I I had them in seven. I, I you know, but as soon as they took care of business in Philadelphia, I thought they're going back to Houston. There's no way they're letting it go to Game Seven. Yeah, when uh, Schwarbs, as we like to call him on the North Side, hit that home yeah. run, I'm like, okay, maybe we will get one. But they uh, they answered in uh, in in. Spectacular fashion. Yeah, right in the bottom half of that inning. Jordan Alvarez, who has kind of been sleeping. I mean, he's been their big power hitter this year. He was, uh, you know, not quite himself in the World Series. And and all of a sudden, he he came alive. And and still, Altuve never really showed up. No. Like we know Altuve. So, you know, if we were to say that that was a – Eight-cylinder motor, as I like to uh, always refer to cars. Somehow, uh, they were they were firing on six cylinders for most of the World Series because of the fact that your uh, 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 Al um, uh, uh, now uh, sounds like what's words. what's wrong with me? I, I guess I had too much coffee. Uh, Alvarez, you're not Alvarez. Yeah, <laughs> you know he. He wasn't uh, quite himself. Altuve wasn't quite himself, but they had other people showing up. How about Brighton Jeremy still? Pena? I mean, oh, my you, God, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's a guy that carried him, right? I'm I mean, right. not really carried him, but, you know, there was a well, guy they didn't expect to show up like that, and he MVP. wins. MVP. And MVP, twice. Jeremy Pena. Twice. How about this? I mean, Carlos Correa is allowed to walk and cash up in Minnesota, and here's 25-year-old Jeremy Pena taking over and winning the MVP in the World Series and, and got a couple more hits and scored a run yesterday. And I, I mean, the, either side of the spectrum, you got Dusty, Johnny B. Baker, uh, Dusty yeah. Baker, in the game for 55 years at the tender age of 73. I guess, you know, still a youngster compared to, to Tony La Russa. Um, and, and so he gets his World Series, his, his first World Series win after being a baseball lifer. And at the yep. other end, you got 25-year-old Jeremy Pena getting the hardware, the Willie Mays hardware, the trophy for MVP. Boy, I'll tell you something. He uh, When I saw Correa walk, I thought, what are the Astros thinking? Right. I mean, yeah, yeah you know, but they knew something we certainly didn't know. And, and boy, was that validated, right? Um, there's a guy who he's been solid all year, but you know, did anybody bank on him to be the big star for a team that's full of stars? And think of this. They didn't even have Michael Brantley. No, no. And, and I mean, he's an incredible player and he, he was out for the season. That just scares me for the future. So if the and White Sox it, let Tim, uh, they were to trade Tim Anderson, is there anyone else there that could step inside in the shortstop and win an MVP in a world series? Just ask him. Uh, on on the south side, no, no, that would have to be acquired by free agency <laughs> or or by a very massive trade. And uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to watch. I saw Schwarber hit that home run, and he's been an absolute beast. Good lord! But boy, and and you know what a what a, I mean, he's always showed up for the playoffs, right? But but that uh, how how about that uh, that bunt on two strikes? That was weird. Yeah, I mean, the was, it was a, look, look, they I, I think that they kind of felt it as, as much as the Astros felt the crowd. Remember the first time that they played uh, Philadelphia, they they actually said we were not ready for that crowd. 
we will be ready for that crowd. And I think that kind of worked in the Astros' favor in Texas last night. You know, going back to Dusty for a second, Mark, it's, yeah. it seems like a lifetime ago that he was managing the Cubs, and it was 20 years ago. Um, and we all know what happened with the Bartman game and all that. Boy, he he finally gets his moment. He should be at peace or whatever, but he was grinding some axes yesterday, and I guess, you know, he, he, he's he been through it all, right? He was on deck for Hank Aaron's 715th home run. He was, you know, he, he he's seen it all, and he's done it all, and he's managed many teams and come close a few times. But, boy, he just, after the, in the post game, all he talked about is how everyone, you know, told him what he couldn't do and he'd never do it. And I felt bad for him because I thought – I mean, he got a lot off his shoulders or off his chest. He was yeah, yeah. a lot of, you know, people doubted me. People and, you know, continue. My own dad told me, you know, when he came close one time and winning World Series, I don't know if you're ever going to win one. I mean, but he's just an uh, interesting guy, and everyone around him loves him. Uh, you know, and, and guys who cover him, I know Sully really has a lot of respect and a, a special relationship with Dusty. But I, I, in the moment in the postgame, I wish he was happier, I guess, but – he, just he, he was a little somber, right? But yeah. yeah, you know, look, he was he was uh he was singing his redemption song a bit there. You For know? sure, and, right? and just kind of going going over all the things. I, I think it just really hit him. But right after the game, and I want to play this audio right here, Dusty on field. I thought he was spectacular. Let's hear that right now. heard that i was watching that live when i heard that i thought oh my god this is so great for dusty and brian i want to dig into a little of what happened with dusty here because again always a likable guy certainly you and i are in the age bracket of watching dusty play as a very productive player for the dodgers in the late 70s early 80s and and for him to have such a great time on the field was really special yeah, and I'm glad he did because he, you know, he kept talking about after when all these openings would come come up uh, since 2017, I believe, and he, and he he would put calls out, and he said they didn't ret- return calls. Sometimes it was almost like the perfect situation with the unlikable Astros, the cheating bastards that they, you know, the the uh, everyone loved to hate the Astros for the uh, tainted World Series win, and he took it on, and he changed. The likability factor. I mean, they cleaned mm-hmm. house to a degree, obviously, but I mean, I, I, I assume he's going to be a Hall of Famer, right? Uh, he just—he's the top he has manager. to be. 
I, look, history I, to win 2000 right, to have 2000 just wins. based on that just yeah. based on that if somebody says well you only won world, one world series that would be a little short-sighted between right? between the playing career he had which was pretty good and the managerial yeah. career which is you know he's gotten him close that many times and now he finally has one i mean right. he's got to be in there i, I, I would assume yes i w- i would agree and and you're right when when he was on the uh, the presser, when he came in, uh, he was a bit more somber and and just kind of going over things in his mind. And I think on the field, he said that hasn't hit me. I think it hit him between that point and when he was in the presser. When you, you said you wish he was a little more happy, yeah, I, I agree with you. But I think we saw a guy getting a lot of weight off of his chest in front of everybody, yep. and it was refreshing to see that he was so honest and so real. And and I think that they, he needed to do that to just kind of move on. Now, I, I I know some people in my life that are just cannot be happy for the Astros based on what happened in 2017. And and that's fair to a degree, but I think it's largely unfair to a, a, another degree in that, you know, it's dusty. That's not happening anymore. The technology says that that I mean that's why pitchcom. If anything, sure. we can right. we can thank the Astros for pitchcom, right? So uh, you know it's I, I don't know I I've let I've personally let it go. I've yeah, personally I let it go I mean, because I... it's how many years now? Different players, sure. Altuve's still on the team. There are still some people on the team, and yes, they got immunity and all that kind of stuff. But let's face it, even if they were punished. Would they not have been back playing right now? Um, By now, sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean they weren't going to kick anybody out of the game permanently. In, in, in the immediate aftermath, when it all came to the fore that they were remaking "Bang the Drum" slowly. Um, yeah. Um, I really thought they should revoke the World Series title. I mean, that's how ticked off I was as a baseball fan, right? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but obviously they didn't do that. And if you do that, then you can. That's a hell of a precedent to set. That opens the door to a lot of other crazy yep. stuff. Yeah, now, we I can mean, always throw an asterisk. We, we throw asterisks around, right, right. When, when we feel like we should. We assign it to a guy like Barry Bonds, at least I do. And Sammy and, Sosa. And, yeah, and Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. Right. We, we throw these around, and, and 2017 was 2017. And I'll put an asterisk on that all day. But did the Astros not earn what they have now? Let me tell you a quick Sammy Sosa story to give you a kind of context of who Sammy, when Sammy was becoming superstar Sammy, you know, before mm-hmm. even the home run chase and all that, you know, the, the 180 pound kid who was playing for the White Sox when he was traded for George Bell, right? Yeah, I remember and, he had the hell of an arm. He could yeah. throw. And, and he could steal bases. So yes. I'm, I'm covering the Cubs and we were, I want to say, in San Francisco, last road trip of the season. And he's one stolen base away from becoming a 30-30 guy. 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases, right? Mm -hmm. And apparently he was telling guys in the clubhouse that he wasn't going to steal the 30th base until he got back home to, quote-unquote, in front of his people. And Randy Myers, the closer at the time for the Cubs, pulled me aside and said, here, take your notebook out. Let me tell you, if that bleepity bleepity bleep has an opportunity to steal a base and he needs to do it to help win a game and he doesn't do it, I'm going to run out there and you know beat his rear end. I'm like, Randy, you really want me to write that? He goes, probably not. But he was not well. He was probably, it was it was not well liked in the, that clubhouse even before he became um, you know Sammy Slugger. But that's that's who he was. I mean, he was very calculating and he was very, you know, he was going to do it on Sammy's terms and and. 
you know, that's. Sounds that's like you got Scotty Pippen on the uh, baseball diamond. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's baseball is, it's funny when you're around these guys and it takes, I mean, it, it would go back to the Astros conversation. You never know. It takes every guy in that clubhouse and some people in the farm system coming up and surprising. And you never know, know where, you know, Jeremy Pena, you never know where the, the, the star power is going to come from or the, right. uh, the clutch is going to come from. And, right, and a right. lot of times it's not the guys you expect it to be. Yeah, yeah, and as as we saw, uh, we actually have Jim. Uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to Jim here in Chicago uh, from Chicago Heights here on ESPN One Thousand. Hey, Jim. Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, uh, it's all good. Uh, I always said, once a cheater, always a cheater. What they did to the Chicago Black Sox, they should have did that the same thing to Houston. But now with the movie a parody, you just mentioned it. You about bang the drum slowly. You ought to have a movie on the Houston Astros, bang the can slowly. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. going for there, Jim. <laughs> yep, yeah. Th- yeah. Thanks for the call, Jim. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, sure. it's, uh, I, you know, it's, uh, it happened. It happened. But, I mean, was Jeremy Pena part of that? I mean, no. uh, you know, to say once a cheater, always a cheater. Look, has every team tried to gain the system somehow, some way? Sure. Was there pro- is there probably something a little deeper? I mean, weren't the Red Sox caught up in this uh, a bit? Um, remember when Joey Cora was uh, fired? Uh, not Joey. Um, Alex Cora was fired for yeah. a season and brought back. So, so the Astros got caught. And certainly we don't know what else happened. But the, the fact is the Astros got caught. The technology changed. It's five years down the line. I've forgiven them. I forgive him. I don't think 2017 has anything to do with 2022. Yeah. And, and speaking of 2022, when we come back from break, I want to, uh, you know, find, uh, take a Sox check on uh, you, Mr. Sox fan, on mm-hmm. the Pedro Grafal era starting. Yeah. Um, we talked about him at length last Sunday when we were together. We, we did. We did. And, uh, you know, a couple of days later, it breaks. And I still, I, I know the narrative, although I haven't heard him say it, and I haven't heard anyone on the record say that he chose the White Sox over the Royals and the Royals wanted him to be their manager. And in fact, uh, on Cap show on NBC Sports Chicago, there was a Kansas City Royals beat guy who said, no, they just wanted to make a change and want to go outside the organization. So they went down to Tampa and got their bench coach. So I still have my questions for a guy who was in that organization in Kansas City since 2013. And look, I think he won the press conference and, uh, you know, he seems like, He's got a good head on his shoulders, but he was he, he was passed over twice by the Royals. And I know the Royals aren't the uh, gold standard in baseball franchises by any stretch of the imagination, but they have won a World Series uh, a, a short while ago compared to a long time ago for the White Sox. So right. maybe it all plays out. But I'd love to hear your take on it because we've had an interesting week between the Sox hiring a manager and we got our three trades from uh, – we did. Yeah, we you did. And I, you and I a couple of weeks ago said, oh, they have to make at least three deals, right? And, and our Twitter poll, it was zero. Zero won the day. Yes, I mean, yes, Bears yes. fans thought nothing was going to happen. Now, I didn't see the Bears being a buyer on the third deal, but there I did go. not either. I did not either. But I, I'll tell you, I like that kid when he first came up with uh, uh, Pittsburgh. And, and I know that things have kind of changed. And, and today is uh, day number one of him being with the Bears. So, yeah, we're going to dive into all of that here on ESPN 1000, 312-332-3776. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Xander and Hanley on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Back to it here on ESPN with Dawson, Xander, and Hanley. So baseball has been over for us, Chicago fans, for a little while. Now baseball is officially over with the Astros being world champions. However, baseball is still in the minds and hearts of especially Southsiders as we have a brand new manager, Pedro Grafal. Now, we talked about him, as you mentioned, Brian, before the break. We talked about him at length last week because he was heavily rumored, and we didn't know really who he was or how he became rumored and why was he the um, the favorite dog in the race when, yeah, it was supposed to be when we had bigger team. names, right? Yeah. 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 I, mean, I don't even know how big the names were. I mean, it wasn't Bruce Bochy on the radar, but – First of all, well, certainly, know. certainly, people we knew a little more than a Pedro Grafal. I mean, right. to me, that came out of nowhere. Yep, and and at the time, I'm thinking maybe it should have stayed uh, out of nowhere. Um, right, and I'm I'm still not sure. So, you know, I'm I'm wondering what you think of it because Rick Hahn initially said uh, when he was going through like the parameters of what which would guide him through this managerial search and. You know, we, I, we were talking last week. I'm like, boys have been quiet. Yep. It was like Joe Espada and then what? No, you know, nothing. In, but they claimed to interview a dozen or so people. And, and so he said back. he had 25 and then yeah. it swelled up to 30. And I would imagine the last five included Ozzy where they gave him maybe a courtesy interview. And we did talk about it, how leading up to this, he said, we want somebody with recent experience with a winning that's the one. That's what. I mean, and what is recent? What is recent? I mean, that's a gray area. Recent to me is uh, recent to me is a lot, a lot uh, closer than uh, seven, eight years ago. Yeah, it, it's but, what Kansas. Uh, it's what Kansas City yeah. did. Go down to Tampa and get yeah, their bench yeah. coach because they're always in the mix from start of the season to the end. Right. I mean, they're not winning it necessarily, but they they always impress and and they're always on on the baseball map each year right no matter how many right. changes they make and how young their team is so what happened to that because again Pedro Grafal has been with the Royals since 2013 he was there in 2015 when they won a World Series but it's been they've been through you know they're on their third manager now since then right so mm-hmm. what happened to that that little you know piece of Rickon's plan that it had to be someone it, it just he was overwhelmed by the guy's personality, and he said, "You know, the guy." He also took a shot at Tony Larue, said maybe Jerry when he said, "If you see me smiling more next year." And, yes, and, yes, he did. Yes, he did. And, and I thought that was uh, both uh, sneaky and super appropriate. Oh my good <laughs> lord, he body because, him. but you know he, uh, you know, he was able to do his job this time, seemingly. Um, I don't know how you could read it any other way. He was able to do his job. Now, I know that um, he sometimes comes off, Rakan, that is, comes off as a little arrogant to Mm -hmm. some people. I don't necessarily see that. I I I see it more of a necessary confidence in that that role. But, you know, whatever. Uh, we're splitting hairs here. The point is, well, I mean, it seems guy, like for a guy yeah. who's been there twenty years and has that resume with this team, he does come off as having achieved a hell of a lot more than they've actually achieved. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes he, yeah, he, he, he does, he does. Um, and and but I, I don't think 
I don't think it's the majority of the time, and, and that does rub people the wrong way. And I, I do hear that. That does get my uh, attention. But I never really knew how much, and we talked about this ad nauseum, how much control does this guy have in his job? What is a GM versus what they let him do as a GM? They could be two different things. Obviously, Tony LaRusso was not his hire. We, we knew that last year when he hired him. And now he confirmed it with that comment. It was a body slam comment, basically saying, this is my guy. Now a- he can be measured truly on his hire. Because, again, we don't know how much he's been able to do. Now he has to do some roster work, too, obviously. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I mean, is and here's hoping it all works out and they're actually going to have a parade and they're going to, you know, fulfill that confidence that Rick Hahn has that they actually win a World Series. But I I got to believe this is it, it no doubt it's his guy. It should be his last guy if this doesn't work out. But I that doesn't usually, you know, those dots don't usually get connected when it comes to the the White Sox. I mean, Kenny and Rick Hahn have been there for a lot longer than a lot of people would be there in any mm-hmm. other baseball organization when no they doubt. come no up doubt. empty so many times. Yeah, um, I, I'm excited. When, when I first heard him announced, we didn't know anything about him. Still don't. I heard Jesse right. <laughs> we don't know a lot. We don't know a lot, but I like what he has to say. I know that that's just words, but he seems to be taking accountability uh, right off the bat. I like that. As... As a, a fan of a team in a city that it's a working class city, I've always appreciated that. Him saying things like, you know, we are going to earn your trust. All of these things. Again, he has to back it up. But for for day one, two, or three, um, you know, I, I think that there's something there. And he was very detailed on the way he is going to approach he likes running home the runs. Teams. I like that. He likes home runs. And he, and he likes, home, and he likes home runs. Right. Yeah. And the fact that he is uh, bilingual, um, and, and uh, I, I think that that is obviously very helpful. Um, uh, you, you know, my immediate thought was, and I know I'm going to take a little left turn here, but he had Salvador Perez mm-hmm. on his team in Kansas City. They're very close, uh, I understand. And who's our Salvi? Jose Abreu. Mm-hmm. He comes wants to work back, every day, yeah. and I'm telling you, you know he wants him back, and you know that he is going to have some kind of influence. It would be ridiculous if he took this job and had no influence on what the front office is going to do. So it's well, going to be interesting. He doesn't have a, a lot of influence on who his staff is, which you know gave me pause. It's oh like, yeah, the Charlie Montoya thing. Yeah. Well, the whole thing, it's like uh, Rick Hahn said, we'll, we'll talk to him, we'll, you know, like we'll get his ideas, but usually the manager gets to put his staff together. And it's the White Sox being the White Sox. Rick Hahn said, oh, no, no, you know, he certainly will have input, but, you know, we, we got thoughts too, and obviously they do because they're keeping Ethan Katz, and that's fine. But normally the manager gets to put the staff together because they have to be around each other 24-7 for six, seven months of the year. And that's how you can, you know, that's part of the manager's job description. Yeah, but, and, and, and that's maybe why Han uh, was attracted to somebody that has a lot of potential as a first time manager, because they still would have that influence of saying, you're a first time manager. Let's talk about these people we would like to put in. You know, yes, and, and, and then so there's well. that case. Right. And, and then there's the case of last week when I said, 
you know, maybe there was a threshold of money that they couldn't, uh, you know, they weren't going to go down that that way. Maybe Espada wanted more. Yeah, you know, we never, we don't know really what led him to the White Sox right. beyond what Jesse has reported that he knew the White Sox opening was there and he pursued them. They pursued him. They were wowed by him. And that's, that's the narrative that we're getting. Here's the most important thing I, I heard him say. And again, it was, uh, it was damning. He said when the Royals would play the White Sox, he would look across into the White Sox dugout. And if he saw guys on the steps ready to go, high-fiving each other, and there was energy, you knew you were in for a, a, a tough game. You know, you were you going to have your hands full. And he said, basically, you could look in that dugout, and you could see that wasn't the case a lot of nights. Right. So yep. you felt pretty good about it. And, and the energy said, was low. He could see over there and right. see. And, but we, and, I think and we, we all saw to... it. We lived through it. And oh, it was yeah, awful. we did. And that's yep. why that was one of the reasons no, no one liked this team this year, because – but he said his job is to make sure the energy is always there. Now, you know, God bless him. I hope he can actually get that through to the, the guys in the clubhouse, the leaders all the way on down. And and they certainly, I would think, are, are still better than we saw for the last year when they were a 500 team going back to the all-star break of, of the season previous. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, now it's prove it time. But God bless him. He knew that this team, a lot of nights, didn't have any life, any fight. And Johnny Cueto, you know, had to call him out, and then he got his head, you know, ears chopped off from Tony for actually verbalizing what we were all saying. But anyway, at least he's seeing the same thing, that there's and, talent and, on this team, but not necessarily uh, want to or, you know. And that was, to me, damning on Tony La Russa. Absolutely. While, while Rick Hahn was delivering some blows to, uh, to Jerry. Jerry and Kenny, yeah. <laughs> uh, Pedro delivered a blow to Tony La Russa because that was, uh, when you look across and you see that they don't have energy, you know, I don't care what you want to say about managers or what, but, you know, you have to have it's a leader. Culture. Yeah. It's culture and you have to have a leader. We've got some phone uh, calls to get to. Owen and Pat are on hold, want to talk about the White Sox when we pick them up on the other side of the break. It's ESPN 1000 with Xander and Hanley. We'll be right back. There are millions of places to get ESPN Chicago. There are smart speakers, phones, podcasts, standing in front of the old National Bank studio on State Street. Hello? There's Twitch.tv, FMHD, and of course, the original ESPN 1000 on the AM dial. We're glad you found us. And so are these very patient hosts, Mark Xander and Brian Hanley. We're patient hosts, and we're also not billionaires because we didn't win the Powerball. So that's why we're here, right, Brian? I mean, uh, I like doing this and all, but yeah. what's that? I mean, nobody won the Powerball. No, and, I know. How's it I know it's almost $2 billion now. Yeah, it's one, they're saying <laughs> 1.9, but I would guess it might seem It's rounded up. Yeah, rounded yeah. up. Uh, it's a, an accounting thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, let me ask you. So, uh, one of our Twitter poll questions is, is: Now that the jackpot's almost two billion, how many tickets do you buy? Um, zero, one, two, three, more. I mean, you, is your mortgage money going to the uh, to to the Powerball jackpot? Uh, I, I just I buy thought, one or two. Yeah, okay, and and I, and I always get this. So it's like one million dollars isn't going to change my life, but you know, now you get interested because it's almost two billion. 
and you could change like the well, you know what it life. is you know what it really is it just it gets our attention now because yeah. it's all over the news if it's an ordinary average wednesday and it's worth a couple million dollars nobody nobody talks about that and we forget it's going on at least i do i'm only speaking Absolutely. from experience i know people that play these games religiously no matter what and I don't know uh, how much it helps. Well, I, I mean, I see the sad sacks, at, you know, in front of me at the convenience store, paying, you know, buying the twenty dollars scratch offs, and they've got like six of them in their hands, and it doesn't look like they have two bucks in their pocket. I, and and God bless. I mean, it, it it really is an addiction for some people. But okay, so this week I I I went and bought ten dollars worth of Powerball, see? which is see, which right? is too yeah. stupid. I mean, it's you know, it's a, you know, one would be good enough, and really would. <laughs> How much should I increase my odds by spending the other eight bucks? Mill, mill. Yeah, and I get, how how does this happen, Mark? I got one number out of thirty possible numbers. I matched <laughs> one, one. Wow, I mean, you are lucky, that, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I got to go find a, <laughs> a, a different place to buy them. But but I saw, yeah, you know, how many you're buying? That's one of our Twitter polls, and our other Twitter poll is it's it's game day, it's Bears, it's uh, the Dolphins in town. It's not sub forty weather when. It used to be automatic if if Miami came to town and there was snow on the ground or it was oh that was great and, yep, yeah yeah sure. I mean they they just didn't want to they didn't want to leave the hotel they wanted to get on the plane and go back home because it wasn't nice but the the Bears are now only four and a half point underdogs it was five but it's going the Bears way right now so what happens Bears win outright Bears cover or Bears don't cover meaning they lost by by more than the spread so you can find yeah. those Twitter polls yeah and, we'll wrap them up it, before we get out of here yeah. at ten. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, let's get back to talking about what's happening on the south side for a bit here. As we've got the points bet pregame with Miller and Miller, they're going to be diving into the Bears. We certainly will talk about them before we get out of here at 10. Owen's on the line. I always love to hear from Owen and Willowbrook. Good morning, Owen. You're on ESPN 1000. Hi, guys. This is uh, strictly conjecture on my part. But the way I pictured that interview going, and nothing against Pedro, he probably suggests to a lot of the questions that were asked by Han. Um, I think that um, the reason he didn't pick Ozzy is probably because of um, Ozzy's feeling towards sabermetrics, and he would probably use more of a feel towards managing the game. And once you once you have, I think once you have a, a team going to the manager, will you listen to our group of sabermetrics people? Will you listen to everybody else and then go out and manage? You don't have a manager; you have a yes man. Because mm. I think you need to have. You got to be on the same page, obviously, but I think you have to have. Uh, uh, if you have more than one guy making an input in the day of, of a managed game, you don't have a manager. It's like like having two quarterbacks in the NFL. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't yeah, have one. one. Yeah. And and I and again, I leave it to Rick Hahn, who I think is in the bottom third of general managers, to make the wrong decision. Um, I, you know, I have I have no faith in this hire. And and okay. um, nothing against. It reminds me of the, the Robin Ventura hire. They want a yes man in the clubhouse. Is what yeah, I no, you're right. Ooh. You're right. And, and you're giving me uh, you're giving me a shakes there. Remembering Robin <laughs> Ventura, yeah. managing Robin. They just we didn't... loved him playing ball. We didn't love right. him. He was the most boring manager ever. Thank you for the call, Owen. Uh, look, uh, Rick Hahn is not earned a tremendous amount of respect for the decisions that he's made. But the thing for me is he's got a little bit of a grace period, just a little, because, again, I don't know what decisions he's made. And now that we know 
it seems apparent that he's made this decision on this manager. It's somebody from outside the organization. The clock really starts in him right now, as far as I'm concerned. And, and the one thing about Ozzy, you know, and is correct. I mean, first of all, the the relationship between he and Kenny was so strained at the end. Right. Know, Ozzy's kids that were, never made sense to me. No, Ozzy's kids were tweeting stuff out about what was in the clubhouse and guys having too much beer on the plane and you know what you know not not giving her a damn or anything. Right. And and so it, it just it, it, that he wasn't going to be a yes guy then. He certainly wouldn't be a yes guy now. And he's he's told you about pretty much his disdain for being force fed. Um, Advanced, but, but that metrics. is part of the game now. Of course, it and is. I think any successful manager is going to use a little of that and a little gut. It's part of the game. It's not all gut anymore. It's just not because you're I not see, playing on the same uh, field as everybody else. Did when I there's see, so much information? Yeah. The, at some point, a couple months ago, someone on Twitter put out that the the Cubs employ, I think, a dozen different stat guys, basically, who just crunch numbers and put together, you know information for everybody in the organization and the white Sox had five which would seem like a lot but apparently that's not a lot because based uh, based on based on what everybody else is doing so i agree when people say you know what that's not managing you get more people input that's i get what owen is saying but the game has changed and as much as we want jerry reinsdorf to start uh, you, you know, conducting his business like other teams do because you maintain a competitive, uh, you know, you, you maintain your competitiveness on the same level as everybody else. You have to do it in this department, too. Yeah. And, and you know, look, the, you know, Rick Hahn even alluded to that in the press conference saying they want to take advantage of every edge they have. And yep. so I don't know, you know, how many edges they have, but if, if it comes down to Owen's point, they if they put together analytics and I, I, none of those five guys employed by the White Sox or numbers crunchers are going to say intentionally walk a guy in a one and two count. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> right. They're not phoning the dugout saying that. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. So, That's not the way that works. Yeah. But I mean, Ozzy wasn't going to be that guy. And even all these years later, even though he's matured and mellowed, he's a grandfather and we all love him on the pre and post game. Yeah, um, you know, right. That was right. a courtesy interview. I mean, that's that's, that's that exactly going. that's exactly right. And and people forget that I think it was in 2011 where Ozzy played Adam Dunn and Juan Pierre, and uh, I, I'm missing another name. Well, you uh, just gave me the shakes of Adam. Yeah, Dunn, right, 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 right. And gave them so many at bats, and they all had an underperforming season. It's almost like the comparison we can make to Tony Larusa loving Leori Garcia so hard. <laughs> So Ozzy is not without his faults for sure. Or Pat from Grant Park wants to jump in and yeah, talk about Pedro Gafal. Hey, uh, Pat, good morning. You're on ESPN 1000. Good morning. Thank you for not calling me Nicholas this time. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was me. Yeah, I'm raising my <laughs> hey, hand. Hey, Nikki, what's going on? Hey, <laughs> so, so I'm happy it wasn't Ozzy, but I think you can boil this Pedro Gafal higher down to just this. I mean, it's a totality, but if you want to boil it down, it's this. The White Sox are not going to part ways with uh, Yohan Moncada or Yasmani Grandal because they owe them too much money yeah, and they're not going right. to cut them and pay the luxury tax. So right. they hired specifically a Cuban-American manager to try to unlock Yohan, Yasmani, and Luis Robert to get the value out of those contracts. That's what this is about, guys. Oh, absolutely. That's a huge part of it. They they want a guy. Yeah, they're not going, worried about Andrew Vaughn. 
No, no. I mean, they, 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 the great you know communicator, and they kept there wasn't the Bears in synergy every time they use that word under Phil Emery. But you heard communication or variations of uh, you know he's this is what his his calling card is. He communicates, which is terrific. And we'll see how much you know guys are willing to listen to the guy communicating. But yeah, that's a huge part of it, man. Yep, it is. Thank you, uh, Pat, for the phone call. Uh, I, look, I on the on the surface. You know, I, I listened to what Jesse had to say right after Pedro was hired. And I know that there was some uh, some uh, concern that maybe he was passed over by the Royals and we were kind of getting their leftovers. But it turns out that, you know, according to what Jesse said, they weren't really targeting him as their first choice. I guess he was maybe being considered. But again, the White Sox pursued him. And he pursued the White Sox. So it's it's really interesting. They went outside the organization, and so did the White Sox. And that's how we ended up getting here, where we didn't even know who he was at the onset. But based on what he's saying, um, I I like what I'm hearing. But But this is just a little bit, Brian, just a little part of what has to happen this year. And if he can unlock uh, the talent in those two players that we're stuck with, that will go a long way. Yeah, because if, if we're stuck if, with them, you know, if you if you can't unlock them. that, then good luck communicating and all the intangibles that he seems to be good at. But I mean, ultimately, you know, it goes back to what he said: you got to make sure these guys not only have the energy every single day, but they actually go out there and and want to you know play 162. And don't take every other game off or take a week off. Or, yeah, oh boy. and did you see, I, I read, uh, I can't remember, it was uh, uh, Fagan in the, uh, uh, Athletic, but there was an article uh, where he really got down. He said there was 70 minutes of audio from Pedro, so they boiled it down, and there was a bit of it, and I'm paraphrasing here, where Pedro actually said, look, we have to hold each other accountable. Like, for, for instance, when you're managing – their play days, you have to let them know when they're going to get a day off so they can give you everything that they've got leading up to that. And then if they don't, you can hold them accountable to say, hey, you knew you were going to have Saturday off. We don't needed your Friday. best on Friday. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's refreshing because we did not hear that level of detail based on um, uh, you know player management. No, at all. All, we heard, Ever. all we heard was I, on the baseball side. Out. I've never heard that. All we heard was don't run out uh, every ground ball because, you know, you're too fragile. Again, again, what night and day compared to what we saw under Tony La Russa and what we're hearing yet to be backed up by action from Pedro Gafal. I like it so far, but again, it's only words. 312-332-3776. Let's hit the break, talk a little bit about the Bears and get you ready for the points bet pregame with Mellon Miller here on ESPN 1000. Welcome back to Xander and Hanley on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Points bet pregame show coming up with Meller and Miller, but let's talk about the Bears in Miami. Just a little bit ahead of that at 10 a.m. Ryan, the uh, line is at four and a half. We've got a Twitter poll up. Where do people sit? On this, Bears win, Bears cover, Bears don't cover, and we'll wrap that up before we get out of here. I have a feeling that uh, we're going to make it pretty close. I think the Bears will actually cover. Where's your money I'm, going? 
I'm with you. And I'll give you, uh, last week I gave a five shamrock play uh, with the Patriots um, laying the points against the Jets because I was in Miami. And the guy on the radio said, if you make one bet this this year, bet the Jets. I'm like, okay. And I went and looked at him like, no, no, that line smells. But, I mean, Chase Claypool, I'm all about a 6'4 wide receiver, right? So I didn't see the Bears. I saw him selling. And, I, I mean, I'm, I was okay sending Roquan Smith away because, as Ryan Paul said, they, they there was no middle ground to be had. Right, of a right. Contract. I was fine. I was perfectly fine with it, too. And, and I wasn't surprised. And I, I think some people were. Oh, some people were shocked. And I think Patrick Finley in the Sun-Times, God bless Patrick, he, he said this is uh, Ryan Poles not even on the job for a year yet. This is his Mitch Trubisky moment that he, you know, you send a, a, a Pro Bowl 25-year-old player, uh, one of the top defensive players in the league, or, you know, and get what you got. But that's wait, the – Wait, what, this, did he light it up this year? Am I missing something? No, he sure didn't. And and then you and you weren't going to pay him. And you weren't going to franchise tag him. Right. So, the only difference was you trade him now or you get a compensatory pick uh, down the road. So, so I you have know. more control with what yes. you did now than you do down the road. Yeah. Makes and, perfect and, sense to me. And the Ravens needed him. and They didn't give you the farm for him, but they gave you uh, something. And so God bless Roquan. I hope he goes there and, and makes that defense better for the Ravens and that they have success, both both the team and he. But I'm, I'm all about that. I didn't see you know Ryan Poles buying a, a wide receiver at this point, but God bless him because Justin Fields needs all the help he can get. And I know it wasn't working in Pittsburgh this year for Chase Claypool. And but, why wasn't it? Well, I mean, they, they, they've they gone through Trubisky again, and, and, and now they're Kenny uh, uh, Pickens, uh, Pickett. So, I mean, they're, they're yeah, quarterbacks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more about what's happening with the quarterback situation and than I it was with think, Chase. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's unsettled. That offense is unsettled there for sure. But Chase Claypool physically looks the part. And hopefully he is the part here. So I'm all well, I'll I'm, tell I'm you, okay that with first it. season when he showed up with the Steelers, it was yep. like, wow. Yep. That was impressive. So uh, I, I don't know, you know, Poles is kind of getting kind of getting the business from some in, in the national media saying that that was um, maybe not a great move. Yeah. Um, I saw great. Like I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand that. I mean, you know, Justin is starting to prove himself to be the guy that we're going to. It, it, I, I'm seeing some progressive, uh, uh, you know, some progression. So he's starting to seem like the guy that is going to go ahead and and move us forward. So he needs tools now. And if they were done with him in Pittsburgh, I thought it was a nice move. I don't get why those grades are coming his way. Yeah, like I mean, they immediately hot take the day after was like B, B minus. Okay, I mean we'll we'll find out, but it's better than what it looks like here. I mean he, he <laughs> right. It's it's an upgrade. It absolutely. is an upgrade. And, and so my four shamrock pick today is uh, it, the Vikings are firmly in control of the uh, division here because the Packers are just they're lost, right? Um, but they're six and, and one. That's goal. fun to watch, isn't it? It is, but and, um, it'd be more fun to watch if the Bears were ready to win and could actually right. win a division yeah. this year. We were actually doing it to them, yes. Right, that or, be or just ben- you know, benefiting from the demise of, of the Packers. But um, I'm not sold on the Vikings, even with their 6-1 and one record going to 4-4 four and four Washington. So my four Shamrock play today is bet the, the uh, Commodores. Um, oh, you're going after the Commodores. Yeah. Well, I know Richie looks good under center. Plus three points at home. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that line should probably be five, five and a half, given you know the disparity in, in team and talent. But I think Washington might actually win that game. But I'll take the points. I'll take the three. 
Very nice. Uh, we've got uh, we've got the polls here, and we also have how many Powerball tickets will you buy now that the jackpot is almost two billion? We talked about this uh, last segment. I, I think uh, I think we bought two yesterday. I, I think uh, you know it seems better than one. I, yeah, I don't I know, know right? why it does nothing <laughs> for the odds. It Neither does. does I mean, you would. Have, I don't know. I don't know how many Powerball tickets you would have to buy to, to improve to- your odds so tremendously better than buying or even incrementally i mean like 0.000 i mean you know think about how much money's going into this thing and right but yeah mentally i'm with you one doesn't seem like enough two Two is is fine two is fine but i went you know at three different places this week i I had five oh you did five that's right but i had a good day college football yesterday so don't uh, that makes it feel a little bit better Yeah. yeah Uh, 312-332-3776. It's going to be fun to watch how much action Chase Claypool will get today. Um, hopefully, hopefully we'll see him enough to make some sort of difference. Um, I'm not sure, uh, you know, they've got Chubb now in, uh, Mm -hmm. Miami. So that's gonna, that's gonna, uh, keep the O-line on their, uh, uh, hopefully on their feet, not on their asses. Yeah, it's a look. I think it, one thing we've seen, and it didn't really. I, I was shocked the defense was MIA. I tweeted out last Sunday during the Bears Cowboys game. Did Roquan get traded the week last week along with Robert Quinn? Because you know I hadn't, didn't notice him for sure, and actually he got traded the next day. But <laughs> right. But but I mean that defense was the Prescott and the and the Cowboys could do whatever they want, and they did yeah. pretty much every drive early. And even when they got within that, what, one score or so, they just hit the accelerator again. I mean, yeah, time for Allen Williams and the guy. I know they don't have anything now on defense, really, without Robert Quinn and, and, and Roquan Smith, but he's got to keep it together. I mean, he's got to find a way to yep. to the, the the want, you know, get the, the guys to at least give it an effort. I didn't see much of nothing. Right. And see, and, and that's where uh, Bears fans, I, I feel, are divided. They they see that Roquan Smith is dealt and they're like, wait a minute, that's our last big you know, yep. piece to win a game. It's like, ah, it's still not about winning games so much this year. It's about no. developing and assessing so we can move forward. I mean, how much money do they have to spend next year? I mean, things... Things could get uh, really, really good if you trust Ryan Poles. Uh, you know, how much we trust Ryan Poles, you know, that remains to be seen. Uh, let's wrap up the uh, Twitter polls before we get out of here. Uh, Kendra, what do you got on the uh, Bears are five and a half point underdogs at home versus Miami? So the Twitter poll says the Bears do not cover 51%. Wow. Boy. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, that may be that may be true. That uh, that may be true. I'm hoping that they do cover. And uh, how about on the uh, Powerball tickets, Kendra? All right. For the Powerball Twitter poll says three. Forty percent say they will buy three Powerball tickets. And yeah, that was, you know the, what? That, if you're buying three, you might as well buy ten. Well, that's. Yeah. I mean, that was the max number on the poll. So if you're buying three, you might be buying six, seven, eight, ten. Right. right. You might spend your mortgage money. <laughs> Don't do hey, it. Give it don't to, do it. No, don't do it. Nobody recommends that. I don't think there's no. one financial advisor that would say that is okay. All right, wrapping it up. Uh, Brian, always a pleasure. We're going Kendra on to Smith, the Points Bet Pregame. Thank you, sir. Yeah. yeah, thank you, uh, Kendra. Points Bet Pregame with Meller and Miller coming up next on ESPN, 1000, oh, ESPN 1000. Brian, we will talk to you next Sunday. Go Bears.